are listening to Lead, Speak, Grow with your host, Dr. Makisha Mullins, also known as Dr. Mac. Lead, Speak, Grow is a space curated for those ready to take the lead in their lives, speak a truth that affirms them in their purpose, and places them on a path of continuous growth. This is a safe space where I have real conversations with guests about life challenges and how they've overcome them. I hope you are inspired to lead, speak, and grow today and every day forward. I'm excited today to have a chance to speak with my co-founders, two of my favorite people, um, happen to be my mother and my sister, um, about the organization uh, we established for STEM education. It is called Science and Math Innovators. And Science and Math Innovators aims to encourage, empower, and excite children and youth in the exploration of STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, through hands-on experimentation. And what makes SMI a little different from other organizations is that we are three African-American women who've established this organization. I think it's a critical part of the foundation of SMI. Not that we're the only people that can explain science to, to children. Of course, that's not the truth. There's plenty of science people and have similar knowledge we have, but I think it greatly informs our approach to the way we engage with our participants in the content that we're sharing and understand different understanding, having had opportunity as a young person to have STEM courses, to be able to reflect back some of the things to students that I didn't have a chance to see in the classroom as I was coming of age um, and to keep them encouraged to persist and complete their education in STEM. It's something that they want um, as a young person to give them that foundation. So um, without further ado, I'm going to hear a little bit from my co-founders. And I will let my fantastic co-founders um, introduce themselves. I will say first that I serve as the CEO of SMI and I handle a lot of the marketing and content development online information, promotions um, for the organization. And I will let Kanisha Ford go next and she can talk about her role. Hello, um, I am Kanisha Ford and I am the chief science officer. And with that, um, I am mostly responsible, I guess, for the development um, of the curriculum, whatever it is that we're doing with the camp. Now, I don't do that all on my own. Of course, that is a collaborative process. But sometimes just even thinking of what the theme may be or doing a little bit more of developing what we might do for the hands-on portion of it or the um, or the lesson planning. Yes. Uh, like Kanisha was saying, she's kind of the, the driver. We all work and collaborate and support. Obviously, we don't just say, hey, you come up with everything on your own. <laughs> Do all that work. But she is um, the driver of that. And we kind of work together and support her in the full embodying out um, that full curriculum for camp. And camp is typically a week long. And we started this idea several years ago. And I just want to move to move from my sisters, Kanisha, to my mother, um, Dr. Regina Pope Ford. And I just want you to go ahead and just kind of obviously share your role and 
kind of where this idea of establishing establishing SMI came from. Thank you. Hello. And my my role basically is the chief logistics officer uh, for science and math innovators. Uh, that primarily entails um, actually making contact with organizations or universities or whatever the venue may be where we want to actually hold our camp um, and speaking, uh, making contact with the people there uh, and making sure also that we have um, the uh, materials that we need to be where we need them at the time that we need them when we're going to offer our camps to our, our students. And at the same time, I also make a clear role as we all do and making sure that we have, um, you know, trying to raise some funds uh, for science and math innovators. Uh, but we do this as a collaborative effort and um, we just want to make sure that when our, science, our camps do start, that everything is falls in place as it should. Now, how did science and math innovators come about? We had many years of discussions amongst ourselves about um, the um, field of STEM. Uh, as an engineer, I've worked uh, in many places where I've been the only person who looks like me in the room. I've been in classes. I'm the only person there. And, and so that's not something that I want to see continue. I believe that we're at a time now in our country where there's so much discussion about um, STEM, and there's a big push that has been for the last several years to get people to go into STEM, to the STEM profession. And one thing that I know that we need are more Blacks from my own experience. And um, so working together, we always have this common goal, all of us, is to see, you know, how do we get more people into this field? And, you know, right now there's been a lot of talk about Blacks not being present. We're underrepresented. Uh, we have a, a, a issue of us, our, our education, we're not oftentimes prepared the way we ought to be prepared for STEM. Uh, we, we talk about, we, we hear more talk about us, the prison to um, school pipeline, as opposed to us going into the uh, field. We're being miseducated. And so, and I really feel that we're at a point now in our country where there's educational genocide. Uh, and so I believe that there's a point, we wanted to make sure that we could do something um, to encourage more the brilliant uh, people that we've seen, that we've worked with in various programs to enter this field. And so uh, we started SMI so that we could, um, one, dispel the myth about what a scientist looks like. Um, the TV uh, representation of a mad scientist is not factual. Um, there's, if you look at, if, if you Google, like I did the other day, Google images of scientists and engineers, you'll see the stereotypical uh, scientists with a pipette in their hand and maybe a test tube they're dropping something into. Uh, or and if you look at engineers, you'll see them out there with a hard hat and uh, looking with some drawings, looking up at a building. That's not typical. That's only a, a very, very small subset of engineers. And we don't want that to be the image that our students think that they have to do because there's this field is vast. Um, we also wanted, when it came to our camp, we wanted to make sure that we presented children with the uh, age-appropriate scientific principles so that they wouldn't feel threatened as they went on to high school, uh, that they would, uh, for one, maintain their interest because so many of them are fascinated with science. They want to be in the sciences. They, they, they like it. And, we, and those that aren't, we want to maybe have some of them think about science a little bit more. And so we want to present them with those age-appropriate uh, 
scientific principles and help them develop their analytical and critical thinking skills, which are so important in the STEM field. And we want to encourage them to see themselves as the innovators and and inventors that many of them can be. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of what we've come up with is not just purely anecdotal, right? A lot of this conversation was having because I'm a mother, I have, have children, have sons that I was constantly looking for camps. And I found that in going to these camps, because I saw that my, my son or both of my sons at the time had an aptitude for science and mathematics, that they had an interest and an inclination towards it. I was trying to find camps to match them and meet them where they were. And oftentimes what was happening is that the camps <laughs> were leaving me disappointed. <laughs> I was just gravely disappointed. And they're going there not um, pushing or propelling them forward or challenging them in any kind of way, but just providing kind of like busy work things. There's only so many times I want my child to make slime and I'm paying hundreds of dollars. You know, well, making slime is fun because kids love it. Everyone loves slime. That's just the truth of it. And I know that's why we do it. And there's some important principles and chemistry that go into that process, right? Parents do not love slime. As no, parents do not love slime. And parents especially don't <laughs> like the food coloring that goes in slime, speaking from a parent <laughs> perspective. <laughs> um, and from carpet and walls, but we won't get into that. It's my own issue. Um, but there's so many studies. There's also research that undergirds a lot of what we've put together um, in mm-hmm. SMI to support this conversation. So we talk, we're talking about often being a numerical minority when it comes to underrepresentation in certain fields, right? And the modeling that's necessary. So there's, there are studies done by like some Sabotnik and Ty that talk about underrepresentation that people need to see. Adolescents are looking to match themselves with, with their image of themselves. So if I'm looking and I see as an African-American female, at 14 years old, and I look up and every scientist is a gray-haired Caucasian male, I don't see myself reflected. So I don't see myself following that path. I'm not going to become that scientist, right? Because that doesn't fit me. So who matches my characteristics Who that match what I, how I see myself? And so largely, like you were alluding to, one of those key components is the modeling that has to take place. And also removing that numerical minority while we are targeting primarily underrepresented groups, um, specifically African-American youth, the camp is open to everyone. We've had people of various ethnicities take part in our camps, um, which is something we're very proud of because it's really about the joy of STEM. Um, So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more, Kanisha, expand upon that, that joy component when it comes to the the curriculum. We talked about just outlining the curriculum, but the um, key point of how do you make sure that that joy is in that curriculum? How do we tap into that in the process? Yeah, I think with that, it is very, very important for kids to know that science is more than, you know, kind of the busy work that that you do in school or even the I think the joy part of the component comes in really with the hands-on, um, the hands-on learning. Sometimes in school, we don't get a chance to do that when it comes to science. There's not always an opportunity either to see 
the real life applications of it. Like, like you and I talked about before that there is science in everything that we see, but in school, you know, sometimes you do a, you know, you do a unit on something that you see absolutely no application for. So now if we talk about, you know, simple machines, you're just like, okay, machines, but then you get to see, oh, they are really everywhere. Where can we see them? Oh, they're all around us. We can touch them. We use them. We can combine them. You know, so then it just becomes, we really want them to take ownership of their learning and really start to um, be excited about the world around them and that exploration as it comes to science. And that some of these concepts, even though they're complex, they can be broken down into little pieces that you use and that you then um, combine together to do larger activities. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Also, like you mentioned, the how it's all around us. We've had the opportunity to hold camp on a university campus. Um, a lot of mommy alluded to the logistics component, moving people from a room to different areas, even if you're on the on the same, you know piece of land, making sure everyone stays together, how long we're going to be in this place, just like managing those components is so important. <laughs> um, your time, making sure everyone has a chance to see and touch and engage with things, but also having special excursions. Like we had the opportunity to go to FedEx Field um, when we did our egg drop. And that was a fun opportunity to say, okay, we're going to take this out into the world. We're going to move out of this room and go to to a place and do it out out somewhere <laughs> that's kind of a different environment and see things in a different space. Um, and with that, just reimagining and thinking about things differently. How do you think that part really kind of affects the, the experience overall? I'm going to ask you, mommy, for the students, do you see that that makes, does that make a difference? Is that just something that just we're enthralled with or does it make a difference? Do you think it's making an impression uh, with the participants as well? I think it makes it um, an impression and a difference for everyone because far too often, as Kanisha stated, we're in schools and school is pretty much, you know, paper, pencil, not enough, especially at the early age, not a, not, there's not enough experimentation. Um, and things are starting to improve in some places, but when we see it's improving in some places, it's not improving everywhere. And so we go out to a place like FedEx Field, and we were able to go a couple of stories and drop those, um, made those little crates or things we used to, carriers we made to drop those eggs down, see if they were going to survive or not. It was fun. It brought science to life. It brought some, that enthusiasm for the children to see, well, mine's made it. Oh, boy, mine's didn't. You know, and that sort of thing. And so everybody had, you know, we got a kick out of it. Even if your egg was broken, you didn't feel so bad that it was broken. You know, and, and whereas you, if you were in a lab or something or some kind of class, you might feel bad. Oh, it's different. But that enthusiasm is there. You're able, you're, you're chatting, you're looking around at the others to see how things are going to work out. And that's just life. And that's, you know, we don't see that, in terms of a lot of experimentation, oftentimes when we get to high school, we maybe take a biology class. And some people, I don't my understanding, people take chemistry and biology class without even doing experiments. I've heard this. I don't know. My chemistry class was not that way. 
but that's what I've been told. And so we want to make sure that when they come to our camp, they're going to experience science and they're going to uh, be able to reflect on that for years to come. What I like, yeah, I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to just kind of expand on that point really quickly. That social learning component that we that we get to have is so important, like you mentioned with the egg drop. So it's not so much like no one's making fun of each other or anything. There's a little bit of competition that happens, right? Where we're just like, oh, how, how long is mine going to hang in the air? How, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then that's that conversation that begins to start when someone's egg doesn't make it, when someone's egg stays uh, adrift a little bit longer than so, someone else's. That conversation, okay, wow, what in the construction of this carrier, what happened here? They start to then begin to deconstruct their process and really start to analyze. And they go through that scientific um, method again and say, wow, okay, my parachute probably wasn't large, large enough or I didn't have enough insulation on this side of it or I didn't balance it. All of these things, they begin to kind of natural without our prompting, mind you. Without our prompting, they begin these conversations and their clusters <laughs> oftentimes, um, which is fun to watch. And Kanish, you wanted to go ahead and say something. Yeah, no, that's that's basically what I was going to say. But I And I like that part because they have more of a vested interest because when they made them, they said, you know, we just said, here are some materials. Design something. Think about what you want. So when they were designing it, it was what they wanted. So it, they built what they wanted and they like, oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, mine's going to last, you know, and all their little, you know, stuff that they talk amongst themselves. And then when they get out there, they say, oh, mine came, op- came open. Maybe I should have, or somebody says, oh, well, maybe you could do, and they have that, that scientific discussion and about really what their results were when, we teach them the scientific process and we discuss the scientific, I mean, not scientific process, scientific method. I'm sorry. We teach that. We discuss that. We reiterate it. And then it comes to life and they are taking part in the scientific method without even realizing it. And that is really to the core. What we want to do is have them learn and own this knowledge that it's not a burden, that it's not them just checking off boxes because you taught this, now you're tested. But really to have it become a part, a natural part of what they do so that they gain really a deeper understanding of the science and the process of doing science. Yes, exactly. Go ahead. That was one thing I was going to say too. Kanisha touched on the word, a deeper understanding. And that's one thing that we said that we wanted to do in our camps. Anything that we do, whether it's something with robotics, whether it's something with, you know, the simple machines or the egg drop or the rockets, we want to make sure that the kids have a deeper knowledge than they might otherwise get in most circumstances. Because what you understand deeply, I guess that was for lack of a better word right now, what we have a deeper understanding of, we will remember because a lot of times our learning is so superficial. We learn some definitions, and as I said, we get a test on it. Now, you know, that's all I know. I just did enough for the test. We don't want that. We want them to be to retain that information. Yes. And I'm going to also just go back to something that you mentioned about um, the classroom and not having the opportunity. Often as where schools may not have the funding and the resource, um, 
teachers may not have a certain level of comfort with various topics um, because often we put a lot on teachers to know everything about everything a lot of times and it's impossible for anyone to know everything about everything and so kids miss like we talk about the the bloom taxonomy as far as education and learning kids miss that first stage of being able to love something because they're not having a chance to really truly experience it and so we're coming in we've traditionally worked with kind of like grades four to nine for the most part um, we're looking to expand that to the younger ages because we know that early childhood is, the, is a key component in getting that that love in there early. So then we can start building on that with some competencies and some skill development later on. But we get we, we're missing that part, and it's it's so great. We've had so many testimonies from parents that said, "Who is this kid?" After the kids give their their kind of talk about their presentation at the end of the week. They're like, who's this kid that's like loving science and math that does not like science and math? <laughs> like seven days ago, I couldn't have paid this kid to do some math problems. And now they're coming to here and explaining the equations and what they're doing. So for me, I, I love hearing that. And I think such an important part of that is that we are not anchored by their prior experience. So we know, we, we've had that experience, I know you recall a few students here and there that weren't feeling too great about being there come Monday morning, right? We get a little attitude, <laughs> not feeling too great. I don't want to be here. I don't even like this stuff. I'm not good at this stuff kind of talk. But somehow by midday, we kind of start shifting a little bit on that first day. Second day, we roll into Tuesday oftentimes because we go a full day camp and we see this change. What are some of the, the things that you've witnessed and students by having an opportunity to not with with your not having prior knowledge of their possible academic ch- challenges? We do do an inventory to start with, but we don't kind of use that in our approach to begin with. So how, what advantage do you think that provides you with the things that you see that sparks in kids um, as the week progresses oftentimes with camp? I, I think the, the good thing about it is that it's just a clean slate. I don't know mm-hmm. them. Um, so it's the opportunity for us to introduce ourselves, who we are, what we do, ask them about themselves, what do they like, and not even what do they like in terms of school, but just in general, what do they like? Because all of that works together in how you look at math, science, and what we'll be doing this week. And just to remind them that we are here, we are here to learn, but we are here to have a good time. That this is not, this is not a pressure situation, You are not getting grades. You are not going to get punished if your assignment doesn't come out well. You know, none of those things. So it's like, hey, come in here, learn something, have a good time, talk to your peers, not while we're talking, you know, that's a thing. Um, But, you know, talk to your peers, enjoy yourself, laugh, and see that you can learn without any kind of pressure. And And we are very, very conscious of it being summertime. And you wanting a break, you want a little bit of freedom 
that it's okay that you can have fun and that you can be free and this and have a good nice summer time outside and learn things. And so I think with that clean slate, you know, we just kind of they just kind of say, oh, that's not going to be so bad. Oh, they're not so bad. You know that we can joke and have them do things. And then they really just start to enjoy their learning. I think that's the biggest thing that they're like, oh, well, this is this is actually pretty fun. Oh, this math that we're doing while we while we do this experiment. It's it's fun. Oh, I can do this. And and that just starts to break the ice. I think for them and change their, you know, change their mindset. By the end of the week, those same kids who didn't want to be there are the ones who are volunteering for what they're going to present when we present for the families at the end of the week. And you're like, you're volunteering to to talk on a subject when in the beginning you were giving us the side eye. And so it's just very, very exciting to to experience and to really be a part of. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned, you alluded to the summer camps. We're doing something different this fall. Encourage people to fall in, fall in love with STEM um, this November. And do you want to kind of share a little bit about that, Mommy? Or Okay. Sure. Uh, basically, we've decided, you know, we've, for the last two years, our camps have been kind of hampered by the fact that um, COVID uh, has presented us with the challenge of being able to go face to face. While we believe that science is best communicated and best learned in a hands-on face to face environment, we can't really do that because of everyone's safety, health concerns. And um, so we've decided we've got to do something. It can't be totally void or totally absent. And so we've decided that we're going to actually now do some short series of um, um, science topics on science topics. And we're, we're starting out something, and look at some of the basic sciences. And we're going to just try and do something on maybe something, the first one is going to be on chemistry. And we're going to also try and expand that to more. Just what is chemistry? Too often, we don't know what things stand for. We, we, we hear one word defined. Uh, a, a tough word that we don't really know and understand defined by another word that we don't know and understand. We're trying to change that too. So we're going to have some short series, three to four lessons in it that will be no more than about uh, 45 minutes. And they, the students will just get to know something about the topic, this first one that we're doing in chemistry on uh, the states of matter, solids, liquids, and gas. Yes. So we're introducing Science Sundays. And it's really. Just like taking, I know oftentimes Sundays we have these kind of like lazy days on the weekend and you just want to relax and enjoy. But at the same time, we do, you know, as a parent, I do want my kids to do something constructive because what happens sometimes (laughs) is that we fall into, it's okay to sleep in, it's okay to watch some television, but do we need a full day of just watching television? No, we don't. Why not do something a little bit constructive and fun? Um, as well and have a short period of time where we're learning and engaging and having some peer interaction around something that can help me academically as well, right? Um, So that is, we're excited to launch the Science Sundays Um, and starting with um, phases of matter. You're talking about a little topic of chemistry um, to to begin. This is our inauguration. 
of this next phase. Um, we also plan to launch some video content on a YouTube channel, uh, SciMath Innovators YouTube channel, uh, do some experimentation, things that kids can do at home with some common household items, obviously with parental supervision <laughs> and permission before we do any of these things, um, as well as this next phase. We've had a chance to really kind of think through some of the ideas we've had for a while. And like you mentioned, unfortunately, COVID has prevented us from having that face-to-face -face engagement, but we don't want to stop engaging. Um, so important for us to keep moving that forward. And I think, too, we also are interested in encouraging the parent-child interaction when it comes to this learning, because that is so important in supporting the children as they go forward. You know, you and I talked previously about the support we had from our parents and our interest in science and um, being able to explore things on our own, on our own with their help. And so we can have the parents, you know, have things where the parents are engaging with the children in order to really support them in that. Because, you know, even if you are not a scientist yourself, as a parent, you're able, these things are things that you guys can both do together and not only have some bonding there, but also some enrichment um, for the student. I was going to say one thing too. In order for people to become an engineer or to progress in their studies as a scientist of some sort, whether it's physics or chemistry or whatever the case may be, oftentimes there are some courses that everyone has to take. And we want to, at this point, just introduce some of the basics so that students can say, oh, I've heard that word before, number one. And then uh, we also want them to be able to then just be able to move and know that this is a foundation that they're building because there'll be more that you'll learn that you can go deeper into um, later on. And we're going to actually, uh, actually probably often offer some of these things as well. But we just want to know that there's a foundation everybody needs to stand on in order for them to progress and to feel comfortable that they can indeed move forward in this field. You don't get to be an engineer without having taken, taken the sciences, chemistry, and yeah. physics courses. And then when they take those courses, like you said, later, they're like, yeah, I've heard that. And then they just gets rid of that fear that sometimes your teachers, your instructors can kind of put into you. They can kind of put in some fear as, in the way that it's presented. But if you learned it in a nice comfortable environment in your home or in your camp or something like that, then it really starts to take away that fear and replace it with some confidence as you move forward. So then they don't have to feel like it's something that they cannot do because, yeah, I did science Sundays and I learned about that chemistry or I did the camp and I learned about Newton's laws and it's just, they're relearning now and feeling so much better. And so with Science Sundays, it's beginning in November. And if someone would like to join us from, for Science Sundays, you can email info at scimathinnovators.org. That's info at scimathinnovators.org. 
um, with the subject line Science Sundays, and you can receive a, a discount code um, for Camp That Way. So again, send an email to info at sidemathinnovators.org and with the subject line Science Sundays, and you can receive a discount code to participate. Um, and it is a multi-day um, series. Um, that we think will be fun and exciting. I'm excited about it. <laughs> so hopefully that will transfer um, to the participants as well. Um, that energy, they'll, they'll be able to feel some of that energy and excitement. I want to also just kind of, before we part ways here, I just want to share one thing. When Now, three things. Three things I think people should look for when they're looking for camps. Obviously, look for a camp from SMI, first of all. <laughs> but secondly, just in general, as a parent searching for camps, I think the first thing um, you should really pay attention to is the outcome. How is the time being used? Um, is it a results-oriented experience? Oftentimes we have topics or things that they're supposed to be doing and we say, oh, this sounds good. Uh, but if you ask questions of how they're going to be spending their time and what they're doing. There's, you know, they're there for three hours, but then they're maybe just like playing for two hours and they're eating for 20 minutes or having a snack for 20 minutes. So how much learning is really happening in, during that time period. So just be conscious of having a results oriented camp. And then secondly, make sure it's inclusive. Um, and that's including a level of cultural competency as well, um, because we have students from all different types of backgrounds that we work with, students that are very high-performing students. We have some really great smarty arties, and then some students that may have never been introduced to a topic. So make sure it's an inclusive environment where they're prepared to be able to really draw in students of all levels of um, aptitude and interest. I think that's really important to make sure that that's thought of. And then thirdly, a certain level of engagement as well. Make sure there's engagement of students. Sometimes you have a very introverted child or very extroverted child, wherever the case may be, and you can end up on either end of the, of the scale and be excluded. You can have someone that maybe is really like a go-getter and energized and excited, and they figure, okay, that kid will be okay on their own and they can figure it out. And they're not really getting the engagement and the encouragement they need to give because they figure, oh, they can work it out. Or you have someone extremely introverted and they're really to themselves and they end up being kind of don't get the opportunity to have some of the hands-on exploration or leadership roles that they should have. So just be mindful of that. And then as a bonus, I'm going to add also the transfer of knowledge. Make sure there's an opportunity where the transfer of knowledge can be demonstrated. Is there a project in the end? Is there a little description the kids write? Is there something that happens where they can give you some feedback to let them know that they're taking something away from the experience? Um, those are some of the things that we strive to make sure is included, that we felt very passionate about making sure it's part of the experience for all kids, every time all the young people that participate in our camps. Um, I want to thank you both for taking this time to have this conversation. Um, SMI is super important to me. 
Um, and I know it is to each of you. And more importantly, um, more important to us are the young people we get to work with. And I don't know if you want to have a closing statement. I give each of you a chance to kind of um, offer a closing thought. Yeah, I'd just like to say, you know, I, I really want to encourage parents too, if they can, definitely look for those camps. Uh, I see the science camp, and like science and math innovators, of course, we'd like you to look at us first. Uh, but if it, so if it happens that your schedule does not work out, you can consider someone else, of course. And at any rate, uh, we want to make sure that we emphasize as much in our community on, put as much emphasis, emphasis on, uh, excuse me, put as much emphasis on science and math as we put on, um, you know, sports and music. Uh, everybody should be kind of, you know, even out in terms of uh, your interests. Uh, we know everybody's not going to be a scientist. Everybody's not going to be an engineer, but they should at least be prepared should they so desire to go into those fields. And that's what we, we aim for. We're not trying to make everybody an engineer or everybody in the sciences. It would be great, but we all do different things in life because we have various interests and various talents. And I would just say and um, keep blowing the representation horn that when you are considering your camps, um, in addition to the things that you that you mentioned, also look for a camp that has some diversity in staffing, because when we think about it again, there is still a, um, a disconnect sometimes when we don't see people who look like us. So when you know, kids don't always see it being something realistic for them to do, maybe to be an engineer, a scientist, a coder, or whoever it may be when they don't interact with people who, who have things in common with them. So try to look for a camp that's not just coming to your area and recruiting perhaps um, your underrepresented child just for their number's sake, but also to really truly make a difference and that they have considered hiring staff that reflect the, um, the environment in which they are also entering. Because that's still very, very important that our children see people who look like us um, or who look like them, not us, who look like them when they are um, in these programs. All right, thank you so much for this conversation. Again, you can also visit the website of SciMathInnovators.org. S-C-I-M-A-T-H-I-N-N-O-V-A-T-O-R-S.org. It will also be a link in the description for this episode. Um, so visit the website. You can see some of the images from and activities from prior camps and um, learn a little bit more about us and what we do. If you love like to donate, please, we welcome some support in all denominations, $1 to a million dollars. We're happy to have it and we appreciate that support. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining the journey. I hope you were inspired to lead, speak, and grow today and every day forward. Be sure you follow the Lead, Speak, Grow podcast on your podcast carrier.